0: Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels. Get shout-outs on our podcasts or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support. Enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. All right, there we go. All right, now the stream should be getting some audio. There we go, that's a little nice. bit helpful. It's that been is, That is helpful. Yeah, it's been unfortunately one of the sagas and themes, I think, unfortunately, for myself at St. Michael's Parish as... Many of our parishioners know for the daily mass, it's been an ongoing saga of the no sound saga uh-huh. uh, for daily mass. So not ideal. Not we've ideal. Been, we've been catching up. You know, our volunteers have been working on it, and we got that solidified. But I mean, what people don't know is that I'm at the center of it. You know, <laughs> so I'm at the center of the no sound saga. Pu- public confessions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But in any case, you know, we better we better introduce the podcast before we go too much farther, huh? I think so. Yeah, so. so this is Region Catholic, um, and this is Chosen Podcast, of course, by Region Catholic, and I'm Father Jacob, and I'm joined tonight by Adam Anton. And we have the chance, of course, to introduce to you, uh, to the parish community, um, a little bit of Chosen, a uh, podcast that Adam and I have collaborated on now for the past several months. And it's really a chance to explore together the opportunity to really experience and explore um, our chosenness in the eyes of God um, and explore a little bit of that in our vocations as well. We thought of this little idea, you know, to be able to do it because Adam Adam and I were originally classmates, uh, you know, in the seminary. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I was ordained a priest and Adam uh, pursued married life and he's currently married. Beautiful thing, both beautiful things. And so uh, that's kind of been our little endeavor together. But before we get uh, too much deeper into things, I don't know, what uh what do you want to do to open up the episode tonight, Adam? What do you think?
1: Well, we're here in St. Patrick Hall at uh St. Michael Parish live. So, um you know, I mean in regards to father, you're coming up uh well, I guess in a few months on your first year of priesthood and it's been spent here yeah. at the parish. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, like what's been most surprising to you uh in coming to St. Michael? I mean, you've you've been in the diocese, you you know like generally the different deaneries and the parishes and stuff. and so. Mm-hmm. But it's a different thing to know about St. Michael's and then to be assigned to St. Michael's living here amongst the community. Yeah. So what, what's what been most surprising to you uh, in your
0: time here? Yeah, you know, I mean, honestly, St. Michael's before I came here was um, kind of like the church tower from <laughs> yeah, like 30. From 30 yeah. um, I mean, I had driven past it a few times, and I'm almost sure I've been in here because I met with, um, a few, a few vocation directors ago, um, I met with the associate pastor that was here, Father Mick Copel, yep. um, over in the office and in the chapel for mass a few times. Okay. And I mean, I will say like the chapel now is like 22 chairs and, yeah. I, and then it was like 70. <laughs> so yeah, like, it's a little different now. Looking back on that, I don't know how all those chairs fit in there because I've only seen it with like 20 chairs. Yeah. Um. There, there are, like, lores of story of the Daily Mass Chapel here that had 70 chairs. Mm. And anyway, I mean, I have a hard time believing it all fit in there, but I'll be proven wrong soon, hopefully. It worked. But uh, nonetheless, you know, so I have been here. Um, but really to get to know the people and the families and the reality of that being, like, the parish family and the school um, has been incredibly life-giving. Mm. Um, one of the things that I think is temptation for a priest when they're out of the seminary is, like, what can I bring to the community? You start to fixate sure. on that, you know? Yeah. And really, those, um, like, the thing for me, that's not necessarily a surprise because I think we've talked about it in seminary, but the reality of what people give to you, mm-hmm. you know, as a priest, um, just in terms of their own uh, care and love and um, support, um, it's all been... You know, I've felt incredibly supported while I've been here, a part of the parish community, and so it's been great to learn how to be a priest here. Yeah, um, I don't think I've had any like colossal mess-ups. Well, that's good. Um, other than other than using the rest of the milk, and then not replacing it in the rectory. You yeah. know, that was that was bad. I should not have done that. Public confessions continue. I know, right? <laughs> so hopefully, Father Marty sees this and he really does see my legitimate remorse. I uh, drank all of it over cereal. I guess I didn't really drink it; I ate it. Mm. And then I did not go buy another one. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I mean,
1: well, in terms of what you are saying with the parish, I think that's—I think that's a really important spiritual lesson. I, I think that. You know, when we start to turn our gaze more towards the other versus ourselves, mm. we're in a much better spiritual place. I think that that relates to um, parish life in regards right. to the priesthood, but also in regards to married life. Uh, I know my own vocation as well. It's like when I start to turn my attention or my focus more towards uh, Molly or her needs or her gifts and what she mm. um, offers to our marriage and and how she enriches my life. It it helps me to gain a greater greater sense of who I am. You know, so it's like. Yeah. It's by taking our eyes off of ourselves, and and you know, giving to another mm-hmm. that we grow. So
0: Yeah. And I mean that's the thing is that um it's one of the great gifts of being able to live um, you know, in community as an as a newly ordained priest. Like some of my brothers and classmates, um, you know, they don't have that luxury. And I mean, of course, like, you know, there's the reality too of like you're living with another person, you know, they have to get used to me, I have to get used to them kind of reality of living with someone, but then, um, you know, the, the chance to be able to have the dinners, the fraternity, the community, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is an incredible gift, because I've talked to a lot of my classmates, and they they don't necessarily share in that gift or that uh, reality of fraternity mm-hmm. in, their, in their rectories with their pastor, or really, I mean, with any priest, um, unfortunately, so there's something that's incredibly um, grateful in my heart, that, you know, I can count on every Saturday that there will be myself and my pastor, Father Marty, and, you know, anywhere from like two to four other priests, you know, pandemic considerations, of course, observed, you know, Um, disclaimer, yeah, disclaimer, right. But the reality that, you know, we really can come together as brothers and enjoy each other's company, and do it over a good meal and a good drink. And it's definitely, um, that's also been, I think, a really huge part of early ministry is that, I think I've learned a lot about how to be a priest from the people, mm-hmm. um, and from my brothers around that dinner table. So I mean, truthfully, it's been great. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: Saint Michael's is a beautiful community. Um, I have uh, aunts and uncles who belong to the parish and um, nice yeah, shout out my <laughs> my uh, grandparents used to live in Charrivel. They live in uh, Chesterton, closer to me now. But I remember driving down Thirty, and yeah, it's 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 the tower. Uh, right, but. Um, and then when I was in seminary, I uh, I spent a summer as a um, counselor at the Share Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I was there for about six weeks. But then there was like a month afterwards yeah. where um, Father Mick Coppo had me um, come to St. Michael's. And I lived at the parish here. Nice. Um, most of the time that I was here, though, actually, I think Father Marty was either on a retreat or something or he was gone. But um, he was here for part of it. But then also I spent a lot of time with Father Ted Mock, who now he's... <laughs> just down the road, Mm -hmm. um, at St. Joseph. So, um, yeah, it's a really blessed community with the sisters and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good memories here. So,
0: yeah. And I mean, that's like, uh, should definitely mention it too. like our five, uh, you know, in-house Carmelite sisters, Mm -hmm. you know, the, on the property, um, they keep me honest, you know, yeah, it's good.
1: They don't take nonsense from anybody.
0: Yeah. And like, I've, uh, You know, I have two younger brothers, and so there's a lot of ways in which over this past year I've um, gained, like, sisters in the sense of, you know, like, being able to enter into that uh, friendship with Molly through you, Adam. Um, And then also as well I've gained uh, the, you know, the sisters that are, you know, living on the property, you know, uh, uh, over at the convent at uh, St. Michael's. Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, it's been fun because I learned what tapioca is. Okay, and it's not just in pudding. So if the sisters see this, um it's actually a vegetable that you can like mash up and eat. Nice. Did you know that? It's no, I didn't. I didn't know that either.
1: It's not my uh, my usual <laughs> my usual go-to snack. Yeah. But, I
0: mean, it's uh yeah, it's I thought it was mashed potatoes and they told me before that no, father, it's tapioca. Hmm. And I'm thinking like, oh, they it can't be. What is like that's there's no pudding. Yeah. You know? And then we ate it and I was like, These potatoes are good. And they're like, Father, it's tapioca, it's not pudding. It's or it's not potatoes. And I'm like, There's no pudding. These mashed
1: (laughs) these mashed potatoes are fantastic.
0: Well, and it was like and they're like, everyone that we've ever really like talked to from the States, when they when we say tapioca, yeah, they just think of the pudding. Yeah, that's true. It's actually this is what it is. Hmm. I'm like, Well, I've never eaten a vegetable, so no. Things you learn.
1: (laughs) Tapioca on a Tuesday. But uh,
0: anyway, I digress.
1: Yeah. So um, I don't know, Father, I think that uh, we were chatting before the show and it's sounded like part of our conversation or the main part of our conversation was going to be about the uh, year that the Holy Father, Pope Francis declared mm-hmm. um, in it being the year of St. Joseph.
0: Yeah. You know, and we just kind of wanted to uh, throw that out there for the coming Lenten season, but also the coming um March um feast day yeah. of, of Saint Joseph. And then of course there's the um feast day of Saint Joseph the Worker uh that is up and coming as well um, in May. So there's gonna be a lot of different ways in which we can enter into this year and really celebrate um Saint Joseph in that particular way. Um but you know, I also um just kind of thinking about it spiritually and thinking about him a little bit more deeply, um You know, that's kind of the one of the funny things about Joseph is that he was a man of few words. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an understatement. I mean, and to the exact no words recorded in the Bible. No,
1: no speech. That's kind of like his
0: thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah.
1: Um, But it's it's awesome how somebody so instrumental to um, the unfolding of salvation history. uh, He concretely lived obedience to god but he didn't have to say much to do so like right and i think to a certain extent that kind of speaks to his humility like it kept the spotlight off him you know not to say that if you talk a lot in the gospel you're purposely trying to put the spotlight on you but like i don't know i think that that's an expression of joseph's humility is that um he made big moves but he didn't necessarily have to say a lot
0: yeah and i mean it it's kind of evident just in his whole uh, living out. If you just look at the events of um, you know how he lived and like how he endured them, um, you know, if I was smart, I would have. I ju- we just talked about this uh, yesterday with a few friends about the seven sorrows of Joseph, oh. and so I was listening to to that. Don't worry, but I mean, if I could just be like intelligent enough to just like list them as I memorized them from yesterday, um, but I'm not that good. But there's, there's definitely points in Joseph's life, you know, whether it's, like, losing track of Jesus in the temple and then finding him, mm-hmm. kind of, like, that suffering-joy dynamic, as well as, like, the suffering of the, um, like, migrations that happened, whether it was, like, to Egypt or the flight from Egypt, and then the joy and relief of, like, you know, arriving to Egypt or being able to flee from Herod, you know, kind of like this, like joy um, and suffering and sorrow, um, like kind of like dichotomy that kind of goes uh, along with him. And you can kind of see like his trust and perseverance in the sufferings Mm -hmm. and then the exuberant joy. And you can of imagine like, you know, like losing your child, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, do you have any moments or did you have any moments in your childhood when you got separated from your parents or like when you got lost or something?
1: Yeah. My, uh, so I totally <laughs> asked
0: this cause I knew the answer. But anyway, <laughs> please. Yeah. My,
1: uh, my dad lost me at a baseball game. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess I can't say he lost me. You, I, w- you walked away. I or? wandered off, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, it was actually a really beautiful story. Um, we got there a little early and mm-hmm. um you know, I wanted to go down by the dugout to get some autographs. Of course. And so I mean that's where
0: that's where it's happening. Now, mind you, is this a pro game or like a railcats game? This is
1: a Chicago White Sox game. So, so
0: yeah, and how old were you? I was how old was I? Maybe like I mean like middle school elementary school. No, elementary. Okay, okay, yeah. okay.
1: So, um my brother went down, he's he's older than me. My brother and I go down by the dugout and my dad went to go get some snacks, my grandpa was in the stands. And um, so we were doing the autographs, and then my brother must have, like, went back early. So then I was just kind of chilling there by myself, yeah, uh, by the dugouts, looking to get some autographs.
0: And that's how it happens. And then I turned
1: around, and I was completely disoriented, and I didn't know, like, where my dad was or where um, we were sitting. So I went up to a hot dog vendor, and I said, I lost my dad, and um, I don't know where to go. So then he was like, Oh, okay, like I'll take it. So he took me to the security office at uh Comiskey Park. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um and then they did something over either on the board, like of the outfield, that said like I was I was in the security <laughs> office or like they announced it. And uh I just remember like sitting in the security Sorry, it's, office. It's not
0: funny. We're like the sorrow of Joseph losing his child and then like Adam being lost <laughs> At comiskey sorrow, park. You know? Right, right, yeah. Anyway, and, uh, please
1: yeah, and then um, I'm sitting in the security office, and I'm just, like, freaked out because I don't know where I am. I don't know where my dad's at, and then I'm like, oh, when he gets here, he's going to be ticked, and then... Um, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> so he, like, I could see... I'm in, like, a back room sit- sitting, and, like, I could see the front counter, Um, and so I see my dad get to the counter, and his eyes are big. He's just, like, freaking oh, out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, And, like, he saw me in the back room, and so... Like like we get out, we're walking and there wasn't like much said at first. Like we were both just kind of walking and I think our hearts were just both slowing down a little bit. And um I was like, uh Dad, I'm really like I'm really sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to get lost and I hope you're not mad.
0: Yeah, and then you had like a metaphysical like analysis of like you're being lost, of your essence, <laughs> you know. Yes.
1: Uh no, but my dad my dad said, I'm not mad.
0: Um I'm just very grateful because. Oh, okay. So sorry. I I thought you were gonna say. I'm just I'm, disappointed. I'm, not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> like, <ugh. laughs> but okay. Just grateful. Sorry. Yeah, Mr. Antone, you're a good man. I would not have said that anyway.
1: but <laughs> He just said, I'm just, um, I'm just grateful that, like, I get to take you home. You know. Nice. Um, that It, it could have been worse, and I I get to take you home. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I have gotten lost, um, and it was a relief to be found.
0: So, amen. And, see, that's the thing of, like, I just, you can imagine, like, every other person, mm-hmm. or if not more, has some kind of similar experience or has heard yeah. f- directly from someone they love or care for about the experience of being lost, like, being separated from their parents when they're kids or teenagers or whatever. And, I mean, it's obviously a little different if you're, like, six compared to, like, you're 12. Like, obviously, okay. that's different, but... um, and, I guess, worth worthy of thinking, like, this was before you had a cell phone, presumably. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, years like, before. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. It could be a little different now, depending on that. But there's just something about the ordinariness of, like, that situation. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you can see the Holy Family with Joseph being drawn into this ordinariness of this reality. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I think that um, that's the beautiful thing about Joseph is that, Uh, we can relate to him. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he, you know, was not immaculately conceived Mm -hmm. like his wife. Um, and you know, he's not the incarnate word of God, Mm -hmm. like his Mm -hmm. foster child. Um, he's a man just like you and I, and, um, right. The other thing too, you know, you mentioned the Holy family and obviously whenever you talk about Joseph, it's like, you know, naturally speaking, you're going to talk about the Holy family more broadly as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to draw the distinction about the dynamic of, like, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, like, the Holy Family. And, you know, a lot of times people, like, make the joke about, you know, all right, if something went wrong, it must have been Joseph's fault because, like, you know, he was, you know, the only one that wasn't right. without sin.
0: There's a dynamic of sin in the Holy Family, and it's not moving towards Mary or Jesus, right? So <laughs> Yeah, and I
1: but I think, like, and, you know, I, we might hear about this on Holy Family Sunday, right? Um it's like, oh, man, like it all must have gone to Joseph, but I think it's super important to clarify you know what is to clarify the dynamic of the Holy family because there are certain things that we think of in terms of family discord that are not sin,
0: right, so like presumably, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of dynamic of life sometimes, yeah, yeah,
1: so you know was were there times that um you know Joseph did something maybe a, like a little annoying, not on purpose, and Mary like. Got a little frustrated, probably. I mean, well, oh, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's not
0: a sin to be frustrated, right? Like, it's presumably not. I mean, if you like, if you're moved to like, you know, want to kill them, that could be. Yeah, you know, it's like what you do with it, right? <laughs> so, right, right, right. Or on the flip side, like maybe
1: Mary was chewing weird at the dinner table, and Joseph. That's, that's not possible. No, <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. And Joseph was <laughs> like, "Mary, can you please stop doing that? Like, that's." I can't stand it when you chew that way. Like, there's nothing sinful about that, but that's the reality of family life. And I think that, you know, in our ordinary ways of life, I think we're like, oh man, I can't relate to the Holy Family because I lose my patience sometimes or I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, those things aren't always necessarily sins. It's like if you get frustrated, punch a hole through the wall and start screaming at your family, then that's that's a different story. That that
0: could be sinful, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. definitely not ideal. It's it's, so. it's in the realm, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's in the ballpark. Right, um, right, right. There could be sin there, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, I don't know. I just, I think that's important is that it's not a fake ordinariness. Like, the ordinariness of the Holy Family is a real one. Like, uh, there were beautiful moments that they shared together. Moments of excitement, meals together, playing yeah. together. But There's also moments where, like, Jesus crying meant that Joseph didn't always sleep, like, the whole night. Like he would have to get up and he would be like, Oh, Jesus, like come on, just go back to sleep, you know, like mm. let's 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 just calm
0: down. That's a nice helping of ordinariness right there. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. You know,
1: diapers and it's mm. like I don't know. So yeah, the ordinariness of the holy family is real. And I think, you know, we do ourselves a disservice if if we pedestalize it.
0: Is that a word? Place it on a pedestal, <laughs> I think, is, is what you're correct. looking for. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's okay. That's cool, though. Yeah, Pedestalize. Make it up. There's a picture of Adam next to it with the attribution to the word. So, good deal. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So. No, but I mean, there's something really cool about, um, I just I just kind of, like, picked this up in the past, like, couple weeks and was reading about it. Um, it makes me sound like I read a lot, but it's an illusion anyway. Um it w- How many coffee shops do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, unfortunately, I mean like we were uh, Starbucks guys at Mundelein. Mm. We'd go there uh, once a day as part of the Starbucks run Nice. Monday through Friday or like four days a week. It was a really good fr- it, it really was a good fraternity thing community thing with the guys I went with, but yeah. um, it was hitting hard on the pocketbook, I will say. It's expensive. Um, but now they're all closed on the inside. Yeah, it's a total so, bummer. Yeah. But uh anyway, you were saying you yeah, were l- like, about reading a lot. Yeah, like Buzzsaw, like like Buzzkill. Anyway, um no. Um <laughs> there's a thing I was reading about the chance to be connected um in, in in a multitude of different ways of like offering up or engaging in the reality of um re- like remembering that we're sons and daughters of God engaged in our senses in some way at all times, and then also as well um, being able to offer up a multitude of different things that we experience in our day-to-day lives that we can offer up to unite ourselves to Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. Um, So it might be something more, um, the the second thing is probably something that'll be a good spiritual thing for Lent, but I mean there's like unpleasant things that are a part of family life, you know, like you mentioned the chewing thing, Um, or like particularly clean up something that you don't want to do, like that chore or the dishes or um into like offer it up and like do it well. Mm-hmm. I mean like that right there, that is huge spiritual grace. Yeah. Like I mean, I-, I don't know about you, but like if I don't wanna like I remember growing up, like if I didn't want to load the dishwasher, then I would do it poorly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean it is like so father's there's like, a little passive aggressive uh, you know nice. um but it's like the classic thing like cuz I know it's like I know mom will do it Did you slam
1: you know? the the uh dishwasher door when you were done and just like <laughs> stare him down You just like slammed it No
0: no, no you got to you got to play it more <laughs> subtle than that I mean if you're you know like playing the role I'm not you know? I'm not a
1: big passive guy like I'm I'm pretty direct about
0: things <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm on, like you'll know how I feel about something yeah, 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 no, like, I would, it would just be like, it's like, all right, I know my mom wants me to load these bowls this way, so I'm going to do them slightly off. I'm going to have it so that they face <laughs> up and fill with water
1: in the dishwasher. Not that bad. Um, but Close, you, close. Yeah, right, no, but Dish I mean. Dishwater soup waiting for you. <laughs> okay, we're taking this too far, go ahead. Yeah, anyway, right, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but there's this, like, but, but something like that from the perspective of a son or daughter and then like you know as a, even as like a parent too like like you know you can fathom that there are a multitude of ways in which your children will annoy you oh, yeah. like whether whether it's like unintentionally in the sense that someone's getting frustrated with like the crying baby or you know like in the family home not like crying baby in public but like your children you know sure um and i mean Recognizing that there's not to be like guilt or shame drawn from that, like a, like a, the parental failure or something, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But rather just a chance to ha- draw and in deeper into like the God's patience and trust and like sharing in um, the reality of being a parent, you know, with you know the Holy Family. There's all of those experiences kind of drawn into the life of Joseph, you know, in that sp- experience. So
1: you know, one of the things that I think about uh, as you were sharing that is. Obviously, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is going to uh, a private place to pray, um, to be alone with his Father in heaven. Um, But also, like, you know, we were talking about in the beginning, like chosen is about, all right, how do we recognize the way God chooses us and loves us in our daily life and Mm -hmm. calls us, and how do we best respond? And, like, Joseph wasn't just a happenstance. Like, Joseph was, you know, called by God for the mission and role that he lived out. And, you know, the Christ child would have learned from Joseph. I mean, that's the radical humility of God is that he chose to humble himself to share in our humanity and learn. And the Gospels talk about growing in wisdom and obedience um, to Mary, but also to Joseph. And, um, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me, we were talking about the silence of Joseph and the Gospels. And um, something I was thinking about last week, it was a particularly stressful week. And... um There's some things going on with work, but then we were also trying to figure out some stuff um, in terms of uh, housing and everything. So it was like a very full week and I was like really kind of stressed out. But it was a beautiful moment because I thought like, okay, this is an opportunity to serve Molly. Like this is an opportunity to like, you know, really um, serve and like put myself forward for our family. Right. By doing these extra things. The problem was that I would I would note that I was stressed. Right. I'd be like, oh, man, I, I'm so stressed or I'm like, you know, like
0: complaining <laughs> like about the classic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And. Um, you know, w- one of the uh, important details of the gospel of the passion narratives is it's very, the detail that they talk about is that Jesus, as he was enduring the passion, he opened not his mouth. Right. Like and so Jesus, when he was dying for the sake of his bride, he wasn't like. You see what I'm doing? You see what I'm. Doing? This is this is for you, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He just died. He died, mm-hmm. uh, and and then he rose to new life. And so, like, uh, I feel like that was a wake up call for me. Like, you know, it's not. I'll oh, complain the whole way while you're dying. Die for the sake of the other. Die to self, and then you know, move forward in in the new- newness of life. But the reason why I share that story is because I think that Jesus could have learned that quality of silence and obedience from the example of his foster father. Yeah. You know, I think mm-hmm. Joseph could have been that instrument of, of teaching. And, you know, I mean, I can picture Mary talking to Jesus when he was younger and being like, yeah, you know, like when your dad and I had to, to go to Egypt, like I was, you know, you were just born and I was a little nervous about your dad. Like he just, he was resolute about it. And, and he, you know, just, Went forward, and he yeah. was, mm-hmm. and so I feel like, I don't know, the the silence of Jesus amidst the challenges of his life is reflective of Joseph's own silence amidst all the adventures that God called him to.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of connect that because it's almost like this, um, y- this like prophetic reality of the the greatness of what Jesus is about to be like unfold, you know, and like like prophetic reality of like. How there was so little said by him, but yet the greatest of deeds, you know, and so often we think of um and so little by him in that in that moment, not like he didn't say anything in the gospels, but you know in that moment of his suffering um and and then to endure that, and then also too, there's the tradition though in um Eastern Catholicism of Joseph as the prophet, hmm. and it's kind of like this i when i honestly when I first heard that it was like really like he he didn't say anything <laughs> so it was and it's like exactly he was a prophet through the life of his deeds of how he did and how he lived and how he acted yeah so there's a there's a way in which um you know i, I don't want to say this but there's that quote that's misattributed to saint francis right. of assisi right right misattributed he did not say it um you know about preaching the gospel when necessary or pre- preaching the gospel um when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times.
1: And when necessary, when necessary use, use words. words.
0: Yeah, Right, the the botched quote that we just did <laughs> of misattribution to St. Francis. But in the sense of the radicalness of life of in that moment of Christ, and then also in the lack of words of Joseph, I mean, there's something to be said about saying nothing but then accomplishing some of the greatest deeds um, for the sake of the salvation of the world, you know, from the person of Christ. And joseph contribution um to that through the grace of god so you know
1: the other piece of that too is um you're talking about joseph doing these great deeds and it's you know recounted in the gospels Um, what one thing that i love about joseph is that he did the great deeds but he never had the full picture right like god there was never a point where god sat down with him and said okay this is the blueprint for the next however many months and like, you're going to have to go here and then you're going to have to go pick up and go here. And I remember Joseph, like as they're going from place to place, um, he has to, you know, set up their home. He has to then find work. He has to, you know, like establish the family. And um, there was never, you know, God gave Joseph enough information to know the next step. And then in making the next step, he would come to know what the next step would be. Uh, and, and so I think that, um there's definitely a lesson to be learned there that for those of us myself definitely like there's this desire like okay lord you tell me everything lay out the entire plan and then and then I can do it right like but you got to give me the full picture first but god god doesn't work that way yeah um and so there's just a sense of like act live and and live into the mystery um that I think is on full display in the life of Joseph. Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know, one of the things I wanted to touch upon too, um, when I was, uh, before, you know, being, um, you know, a member of the diocese of Gary of the clergy, um, in the sense of being ordained a priest. I said that really weirdly, uh, sorry. Um, but before being ordained a priest for the diocese, before being a member of the diocese, <laughs> what are the clergy, you saying? Yeah. Right like, now? what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> gosh, but, um, before being a priest for the diocese and before discerning, you know, and preparing for the priesthood um, with the diocese, I was in the Dominicans. Um, what? what? <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't know how many times you said diocese in that sentence. Oh, but
0: Probably a lot. Diocese. Yeah.
1: Diocese. That's a good word. Anyway, but you were with the <laughs> Dominicans.
0: Anyway, before all of this, I was with the <laughs> Dominicans, uh, discerning with them and in their, and their novitiate. And... Uh, um there was a brother that came and gave a talk on celibacy and, like, the gift of celibacy and the charism of celibacy. You know, the reality of, um, you know, that priests and religious, including, you know, brothers, sisters, monks, uh, what have you, take on the practice and the commitment of living a celibate life. You know, not marrying, not having children. And um, he said that... um for often, many, for many celibates in the sense of those entering into these things I talked about, there's kind of the expectation in our culture that we're going to get married, you know. And he, he said that Joseph, in that expectation to marry, um, you know, in, in that expectation of that relationship that he thought he was going to have in a particular way, you know, with his wife that he expected— it was kind of God's plan, you know, redirected that reality. Um And so too, for many um, celibates, there is an expectation that just the cultural reality and natural reality that um will will get married, you know. Um, but then there's then the calling and the response to the celibate life. um and the reality that Joseph, um you know was you know he lived in this relationship with Mary. Um, as husband and wife, but not in the sense that we'd understand it with the marital relationship. Um, But there's this reality of expectation um, and then change that Joseph adapted to. And so in that sense, he's kind of like a um, kind of like a model um, for celibates to follow that, you know, if there's ever um, the pain or the, you know, like loneliness or what have you of um, the reality of the celibate life, then Um, Joseph is a, you know, a wonderful intercessor and a power of prayer, Um, but also, too, as, like, the model of of living, um, you know, having, you know, expected to live, like, normal, you know, Mm -hmm. and then kind of those plans uh, ebb and flow and change, and then him respond to them with the grace and the virtue that he did. I mean, I
1: I think that speaks volumes to the unique uh, person that Joseph is, you know, how many how many saints or how many people can be role models to the fullest extent to both the celibate and the married vocation? You know, like um, you were talking about that, that degree of an example as a celibate. Uh, I think it's uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva who makes note like that, uh, aside from the Blessed Virgin and, you know, uh, well, obviously Christ, but uh, the greatest saint was uh, of the church was a layman. Like in Joseph, because like he wasn't a, a rabbi or a scribe or like a Sadducee, he wasn't one of the first priests. Like he was a layman, and right, you know, like that whole sense of what we've been talking about, like the ordinary and like family life, and so I don't know. It just it speaks to the just the depth of the person of Joseph that he can serve as an inspiration and as a model to both um, the celibate vocation and you know the priesthood and religious life. As well as the married vocation and being like a husband and a father, um, which I guess makes sense as to why Pope Francis was like, hey, you should pay attention to his life.
0: Yeah, I mean, quite nice timing. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, kind of emerging from the pandemic, um, I think also, too, I mean, like our I don't I don't don't know if it's like a epidemic in the sense of, um, you know, the word of it uh, for other cultures around the world, but at least in the States, um, there's kind of, like, this growing, um, you know, like, crisis of fatherhood and, like, identity. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I mean, not only, like, I think the crisis and identity of, like, what it means to be a man and, like, masculinity, but um, also as well about the identity of the father and who a father is and what they do um, and, like, who they can be and who they're called to be. I mean, those are kind of the things that um, I think – also speak to us in this moment as well, um, kind of emerging out of the pandemic and coming out and um, having the chance to kind of, you know, behold, I make all things new. Yeah, I <laughs> mean <know>? that. <laughs> so. um,
1: yeah, and I think uh, Joseph is the patron of the Universal Church. You know, Joseph, one of the coolest names for Joseph is the terror of demons. And, um, nice. So, you know, in this year of St. Joseph, whether you're a celibate and you're looking to um, his life as an example, or, um, someone who is married and looking to his life as as an example. Another way that you can look to him for, for guidance or for help is like, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, in the form of possession, but we all have our demons. Uh, we all have our, um, our own challenges and sinfulness. And, um, you know, maybe there's that sin or difficulty that we can't seem to, to kick. And, uh, you know, we need to instill some some terror in those demons. And uh, a way that we can do that is by calling on the intercession of, of Joseph. So, um, I mean, one of the greatest beauties of Catholicism is its, its understanding and theology of the communion of saints and the way that we can continue to love and support one another in our journey uh, and in our struggles for those of us in, in church suffering and militant. And so calling upon Joseph to be a protector in the way that he was to to Christ in his earthly life, well, he's a protector of Christ in the mystical body as well. And um, and so calling on him int- intentionally, I think, could be a great benefit.
0: Yeah, I think the cool thing, too, and um, kind of mentioned this before we start to kind of wrap things up, but um, the cool thing about, um, like, the terror of demons or, like, protector, universal patron of the church, I mean, these are all kind of, um, they elicit the reality of, like, 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 True manhood, um, like manliness, and there's this statue mm-hmm. of Joseph in Wichita. In I believe it's in the cathedral. I went to see my friends get ordained, transitional deacons out there, and this statue of Joseph. This guy has like, I don't know, like, fourteen inch biceps. <laughs> I mean, it's like incredible, Jack Joseph. I mean, he like it's it's kind of it's borderline like disproportional to, like, the rest of the statue. But, I mean, it's, like, he's he's huge. <laughs> like, his chest is big. He's he been big... hitting the weights. Yeah. And, like, it kind of points to this whole thing about, like, that Joseph... We also, we, we think of Joseph as, like, this, like, feeble, like, old man. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, all crumpled up. Or, you know, and that's kind of sometimes the portrayal of him. That be- because of the reality of, like, the relationship that he did have with Mary that they, for, they, they did not engage in marital relations, that he, then he had, their explanation is, is like we had to have been like an older man kind of thing, you know? But the, so many saints have rejected that portrayal of him, that authentic manliness can be lived out in like youthfulness and also comes with purity and that whole reality, and that, that can also be associated with like strength and like, you know, Joseph the carpenter with like big muscles kind of thing. So yeah. all that can kind of come together in one person and reside in one person. If we truly believe that like holiness is real, (laughs) you know, and like we can it's attainable with God's help, you know. Um, So that's kind of uh, another. like I think of that image. And I'm kind of drawn to that, that picture of him.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, But speaking of coming together, I think we're starting to wind down for our uh, our live stream here at St. Michael's. Yeah. And um, so if uh, you have not checked out uh, Chosen the Podcast, we want to encourage you to do so. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you find podcasts. Um, We finished Season 1. There's about 14 episodes up there, I think, now. So if you haven't listened, catch up. Share with uh, some family and friends, maybe over the Lenten season. Might be good. Check us out on social media uh, through Region Catholic on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us. Sorry for the little bit of a late start if you've been with us for the duration of the time. Um, There was a little bit of a late start, and then we kind of uh, ran over to um. So not exactly our 7.35 uh, proposed end time, but it's 7.53. There you go. So good enough. All the same numbers are there. But on that note, then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, looking forward to uh, following and, and um, you know, seeing if the reality of um, having you join us on this uh, next journey of the upcoming season. Uh, but until then, God bless you. God bless. We're clear. We're good.